This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And stuff. We got. We've actually got a listener contact this week. I I tried. I actually did things well. Can I be honest? I didn't do anything. Um, but but my partner did and then so and then now we have genuine listener content from uh instagram i don't know if you've heard of it both heard of instagram uh, it's an up-and-coming it's, uh, social media platform uh, yes yeah, so that's it it's, I didn't, I've, you've heard the buzzword social media yeah it's a it's a yeah. new thing that the kids are doing uh, but even more than that we have comments from tiktok have you heard of tiktok no 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 it's so new uh, I think possibly I might get into some form of trouble by just mentioning it. But, um, you know, I is think... There, is, is there a, um, a um, Homestale Radio MySpace page? <laughs> I mean, look, we haven't got around to it yet because that, that's, that's pretty new. I mean, look, we've, we've somehow got a TikTok account and I, th- I think you have to be, be able to ride a skateboard to have a TikTok account. Um, you know, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on there. Do you remember when skateboards were cool? guys do you remember no uh having played in a skate punk band they've never <laughs> not been cool man, they've never not been cool yeah i put uh put my foot in it there a little bit didn't i but uh, that's kind of how skateboards work isn't it so um i remember i played tony hawks and that's the apostrophe s it's not his, his name anyway doesn't matter doesn't matter i've uh started to lose my mind already well that 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 that, that uh, game made some of my friends consumed very very famous um, <laughs> from their from their song on that and i've always been a little bit jealous yeah, um on that on that anyone around the country um i'm doing the merch table for uh, random hands uh, starting wednesday so again all over the place so if you're mm. a punk fan and you come into one of them i'll be the lanky bastard on the merch table people are you gonna wear your um, shirt? Uh, I can wear my Palace shirt. Yeah, sure. I think you should. I don't know, Mike. You're you're promoting yourself being on a merch table. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a it's a it's an honourable thing to do, right? I remember. Well, you you play in a, you play in two bands, right? Yeah. So it ends up being, you know, when a particular member of a band can't do it, you end up filling in. Um, and then it gets to the point as you, as you age where you're doing tour management or you're doing driving or you're doing merch mm. for bands of friends that have just ended up doing much better than yours. So yeah. um, there, it is. It's a, there it is. It's a shame because, uh, you know, your, 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 your work is good. I don't, I don't know why you're, you're less successful than everybody else, Mike. Um, <laughs> you know? they're, a, they're a better band. Um, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> um, I sort of detecting some tension that they're a better band your work is good so what you're saying is everybody's holding you back no 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 not at all no i chose to play music that's less popular than uh less 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 good uh than uh, than them so yes uh, (laughs) fair enough she'll be around around. all around england yeah and yeah i think that conversation really served to to plug your music didn't it well, that was the other thing there. You've described your own music as not good, um, and and described yourself as old. So, um, I was trying to trying to help you there, 
Kara's um, lost interest. Let's move on. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Alexa, play Back of the Nest podcast. Playing Back of the Nest. CPFC podcast. From Amazon Music. Back of the Nest, now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host as we look back at Palace's turgid, uninspiring game against Fulham at Sellers Park. I'm joined by Cara and Mike as usual. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Can we we start on a positive uh, and a direct quote from Roy? Mm. One point is better than no points. That was from his post-match interview. Um, hold on, I just need to check. I just need to check this. Let me just get, I'm just going to get a calculator and um, try to find this out in one second. Um, there's the calculator app. Uh, while you're doing that, Hambo, because I know that math will take a little while. Um, yeah, he also said, yeah. just in an inspired um, moment for Roy, that some players had a good game, some players didn't. Mm. Sometimes good, sometimes shit. <laughs> Right, I can confirm that if I start with a number and then I add one to that number, the number increases. But if I start with that same number and I add zero to the number, the number doesn't increase. Wow. So his story checks out. Yep. Yep. He's not wrong. Um, He's not wrong. Hold on. What happens if I add three to a number? <laughs> hold on. Don't go crazy. Oh, it, goes up, it, goes up, it goes up by three. Um, Fucking hell. Well, that, you get... oh. That's mind-blowing. Oh. Yeah, we'll have to come back to this later in this, uh, the season once we've had full, a full opportunity to really work the maths out around the situation. Because and what happens I, if you concede eight at home? <laughs> <laughs> then you're yeah, Sheffield United. <laughs> then you're Sheffield United. <laughs> and that, you're going um, down. Does, does really uh, add some sort of degree of perspective. There's some bad teams in the league this year. And... Uh, Perhaps that's why we decided not to buy any players, uh, at least, you know. What happens, Hambo, sorry, just while we're on maths, um, what happens mm. if there are three teams that just by pure chance happen to be worse than you are? I think you stay in the league and yeah. everything is all right. And you move on to, to the quote, next level. To quote Terence, yeah. formerly of this pod, and he said it many times, it's fucking hard to get relegated from the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> We've tried so hard. It really is. It really, really is. But that's um, an important perspective to have, isn't it? Uh, we've got a bit of news from the week. Uh, there was obviously no women's game in, on an international break. I did see a couple of um, mentions of Palace players out on um, from the women's team out and doing their, doing their stuff for their countries. I think Aya Dennis, who's on loan with us, got two for the under-19s. Um, England under-19s, that is. I think Elise Hughes had a late sub-appearance for Wales, a couple of things like that. But um, I think we had a total of six or seven out playing internationals, which is really positive and, and good to see. And I think there's more games to come, so keep your eyes on the official site for the news there. I didn't really have time to read it fully, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if you picked up on that. Um, <laughs> But, you didn't have to admit you know, it. You'd done quite well up until then. Had I? Yeah. I didn't know any of that uh, stuff, to be fair. So, yeah. I was yeah, listening with interest. Quick, let's make a quick note of how we can edit that to make me seem better. It's too much hassle. I'll just look like an idiot. It's fine. Um, there were, however, f- you know, well, let's face it. There's, there's you know, it wasn't a great performance from the, uh, from the first team. Um, and the uh, academy team's both on the wrong end of a 4-3 result. So the under-18s playing Fulham, um, they were ahead for quite some time in that game. Zach Zach Marsh got a couple of goals, um, completed his hat-trick in stoppage time, but by that time, uh, Fulham had scored four. uh, So that came too late to get anything from the game. And the under-21s, probably even more heartbreaking because they were 3-2 up. Uh, going into well into injury time, and there were two injury time goals uh, from Nottingham Forest, um, which um, yeah, which which consigned the the team to a defeat. And Dolo uh, Mustafa got his first goal of the season. Um, Franco Uma with another couple, but not enough, unfortunately. So scoring well, but but conceding a lot. Both the teams there, so be, be really disappointed. Um, they really will. So. 
There you go. Not no good news really in the um in in terms of the results for for any of the teams this week. I don't think there's um. So we'll try and cover a little bit later on. There was some other general good news from around the club. Um, well, we we hope it is in, with regards to Nathan Ferguson's fitness. So we'll we'll come back to that before we uh, end the show. But let's get on with talking. Yeah, about... I... go on, go on. Can we can we just quickly cover the the women? Obviously, there's there's no game this week. But um, yeah. next uh, next Sunday, as of the day of recording, the thirtieth, um, Palace are at home to Sheffield United, and I think if anyone can get to that, um, obviously Maddie Cusack. Um, died this week so I'd imagine there'll be um, you know some kind of uh, ovation for her or something coming up next Sunday so yeah let's hope so but okay no thank you for that um, so yeah unfortunately we do have to talk about Crystal Palace versus Fulham um, but I suppose that we'll, we'll try and pull some positives out of it I'm just going to say this I, I, you know a lot of people get upset when we're, we're overly negative um but I think it's hard to look at that game without feeling uh, like it was a bit of a letdown. And there's some interesting comments that came from the manager. Um, and I think a lot of comments, you know, from what I've read from, you know, either directly to myself, because I was tweeting during the game, had a lot of interesting interaction on on Twitter, uh, as I continue to call it. And then, um, yeah, we had we had some good comments in, which we'll get to from, from listeners as well, just in relation on their thoughts on the game. But sort of overwhelmingly, I think everybody was really disappointed. Most people didn't kind of see the positives um, in getting a point at home to Fulham. I, I think I want to start by saying that Fulham are not a terrible team, right? They had a decent season last year. Marco Silva's done a really good job with them. They're, they're you know, they're a decent team. They're, they're not an easy three points. And I know Roy touched on that in his post-match comments, but you know, I think it felt like once again, you know, we. Um, you know the the first halves at the moment seem to be a write off in terms of any kind of ambition to to get ahead and to try to try and win the game. We seem to try and want to do it all in the second half, and um, you know it's just it's not always going to work out that way. And there were some really odd tactical decisions I felt uh, throughout the course of the game, which we'll, we'll get back to. So, but of course, um, Roy was back back to full health. Um, it seems. Um, yeah, did his media piece and um, and was there on the touchlines, which is great to see. Uh, obviously, very very happy that that he's back out there. Also, very happy to see Mark Gay back in the side, which was the the one change to the starting lineup. Chris Richards dropping to the bench after a pretty decent performance um, against Villa, but um, you know Gay has to come back into that side, obviously. Um, and I suppose, um, yeah, the other one was uh, Amada, obviously, was, was injured, um, an ankle injury. <laughs> Who wrote RSPCA FC strikes again? That was me. That's yeah, what I'm calling okay. us from now on. It just, I don't know any other club that just has the amount of freak injuries that we have. Like, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. And we just, just take everyone in. So, yeah, yeah. RSPCA FC strikes again. Fair fair but um yeah obviously in terms of it doesn't seem to make too much of an impact let's face it because it's not like we're using the five subs a game or anything is it so um and once again we've got we've got that to talk about so yeah the the team back four standard back four with you know ward at right back mitchell mitchell at left back and anderson gay in the middle johnston's still keeping his place of course um hugh's still in for lerma so he's still out with that hamstring injury um iu had made it back um, after going off with a dead leg, which was good to see. Um, but, you know, the, the team was quite predictable, um, obviously, because it's a Crystal Palace team named by Roy Hodgson. Therefore, it is obviously predictable. But what wasn't predictable, Mike, was uh, the little tactical surprise that we sprang, wasn't it? Playing Jeffrey Schlupp as a, as a number 10. Yeah, that was a little odd. And I think we can all agree probably didn't, particularly work um I, I will just say before we get to that um obviously Lerma um had given up updates on him getting a scan for a hamstring I'm not sure how much, how long he's going to be out for but um that I would have hoped he'd be back in the team had he beat had he been fit um but yeah the uh the decisions put Ezo on the left and then Schlupp in the middle which Roy defended a little bit after the after the game um I mean, a little bit odd, but also I 
can't really work out why he didn't change it back after yeah. he realised it was shit. Well, but that, he reckons that, it worked, though, didn't he? I don't, I don't know if you guys watched the full press conference yeah, after. He, he, he said it was it did work, specifically yeah. to shut down uh, Polina, and he reckons he did a great yeah. job. So, Yeah, so when he was saying <laughs> there were several players that weren't good, Schlupp I don't one think of them. he was including Jeffrey Schlupp <laughs> in that, whereas well, I would have included Jeffrey I, Schlupp look, in that. I am, I am going to slightly defend Roy in one sense in the God I thought you were going to say felt... you were going to defend Schlupp then Hambo I nearly fell off my chair hmm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, it has happened Look, you know as people will know if they pay attention I actually do think he's a decent player I just don't understand why he's playing um, now um, so <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah um, look he he is actually much more involved in the game early doors than he has been in the last I don't know 200 appearances now that's unfair in the, you know this season he has, has been below par in pretty much every game I think it's fair to say but he was kind of forced to get more involved he was he was carrying the ball more and I think look, I understand um, what what Roy is saying what I would take issue with is you know once again it's it's Fulham at home. It's the he even said it himself in the post match comments that the onus is on us to win the game as the home team. So you know where like where, where Schlupp has been playing and, and where he started this game as the number ten, that has been a creative position for us. That's been behind with Ezra in there. It's been the position that has created our, a lot of our chances. It's been an area where we've won a lot of free kicks. It's been you know the driving force behind the attacking intent in the team. So why are you sacrificing that at home to Fulham? Why are you sacrificing that to, to do a job on Paulino? An important job to be done, but you know, but, but you've, you've sacrificed the attacking intent of your whole team. You've nullified the best player at a time where he's been in fantastic form. And that is the part I don't understand. I, and I'm list, I'm asking for views on why that might be, and why it's acceptable. Why does our manager think an appropriate thing to do is to nullify our best attacking player to make sure we can cope with Fulham at home? I think it's just his comfort zone, isn't it? He What, what he wants is to get through the first half without having conceded, which is fine, great, mm. wonderful. We'd all get on board with that. But like you say, it just makes it very unlikely that we are going to score in that first half. Um, my My biggest issue with it kind of tacking on to what you said Humbo is that we also have the beginnings of like a really brilliant link up between unexpectedly so Matera and Edward who are like doing really well why would you limit the amount of game time they get building on that um and I understand the whole thing about it being a risk um going for that more like forward play but I think the reason that some of the whoever the players were that he was alluding to having a bad game um you know a lot of the players that we have on the field don't like playing sit back and hope and like try and stop anything from happening for 45 minutes so they're not going to have a good game mm. if that's how you're playing half of it and then you ask them to go out in the second half and basically start again um and it comes back to what I said last week I think where it's just like we're really missing an identity we have a first half identity and then a second half identity but we're not giving ourselves enough time to do the kind of creative part of that identity that actually we've brought in a load of players that have that within their locker and, and that's what they want to do. But I think you, you raise a really good point because when you start thinking about the players that he would say had a bad game, I think you could say Odson Edward would be one. Yeah. Right? He would probably say, he would probably say look, from, from an attacking sense, we, we were very limited. So Edward probably had, you know, had a poor game and by all, in, you know, by all reckoning he did. But we talked about the fact that Edward's our top scorer because we've been creating the right sort of chances for him. We decided, for whatever reason, that against Fulham, we were going to use him up front on his own as a target man. We've had weeks of him scoring goals, being a danger, you know, expressing himself on the pitch, playing really, you know, really, really well, building that confidence. And our reaction to that, and, and I can't, and I don't know why. Lerma's, Lerma's out. Okay, Lerma's out. Right. That 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 was a thing that happened. Uh, but everything else was the same from last week, right? Other than on the bench. So you're like, so why why have we made that change? Why did we decide that that was the right thing to do in this game? And I can't fathom it. I really can't. 
also adding on to that, we had Gaye back, so we shouldn't have really had that many worries defensively. Um, understand that last week, obviously, I think we really missed him, and we covered that in in last week's um, report um, uh, uh, match report. But we had him back. We were at, we we should have been solid at the back, and like Hughes, uh, you know, picking up game time is is getting better and better, um, and is really good in those battles and really good defensively and can play that role. We we shouldn't need like. 70 80 percent of our team playing a defensive role and then like you say asking Edward to do a job that he's clearly not comfortable with and he's shown that he's like not very good at <laughs> and the, the stuff that yeah. he is good at and when when we play to his strengths he gets the goals and it's that like it's the chaos really that I think like as a Mateta and Edward playing together creates with um Jordan I like covering the way that he does as well um uh when you've got him on the pitch so like I just I, I don't understand it I don't understand literally you've you've basically got what two players in that starting lineup that you are asking to play an attacking role and the rest you're asking to play defensive roles or with IU a bit of both um fair play against City and whatever but but not against Fulham like you say it's it's, it's a bit ridiculous um I suppose the other thing it, like IU I um, obviously took a, an early yellow card which I do do think impacted how he how he approached the game but it's probably one of his weaker performances of the season as well. But you start, I start thinking about like the options that you have. If you want to do what, what he did, the kind of options that you have, you know, what, why like playing on that left-hand side where we put Eze, uh, Edward can go there. Like Edward and you've, you've pointed out right, rightly, Carl, that Edward and Mateta have been linking up really well. Of course, an awful lot of problems. You want to show some intent. You start this game, Mateta up top, Edouard playing on the left. If you want to, you know, and then obviously the, the argument will be, well, you can't drop Eze to play Schlupp in the number 10 position like he wanted to. But that's because you absolutely shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, there was no need to do it. But, you know, put you can make you can make something of this team if you're worried about your attacking intent. If you're thinking like, you know we're struggling for options. We got in, we got injuries. Ayu's only just come back. We're being a little ineffective. You, there, there are options there that didn't involve what we did, which was negating all of our attacking threat. And we're we're hanging on at the end. Do you know what I mean? We're, at the end, it's Fulham at home, and we we got coaching staff telling everyone to keep it compact and see out the point. And I just. And I'd just rather not see that, if I'm honest. Mike, I've uh, I've rambled on way too much. Um, do you have anything positive to say? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I do. But uh, just just get onto the thing that slightly confused me. Um, I, I feel that Fulham's right side, so Cordova, Reed, Reed, Castagna, mm. is their strength. So, I mean, Ez is not going to be the the greatest cover for Mitchell. So that seems quite odd as well. I, I, yeah. But yeah, I mean, regardless of that, um, the positives, obviously Sam Johnston um, was, you know, incredible. A, a fair few saves. I mean, a lot of them routine, you expect them, but, you know, decent shots. Um, he was fairly happy after the game, I think, when you listen to his fairly nondescript interview. Um, and, it, you know, I, I do think Fulham are you know, shouldn't be a team that are underestimated. I know, I know that they've lost Mitrovic, but, um, you know, William was excellent. They're, they're, they're a decent side and to, to get our second clean sheet shouldn't shouldn't be sniffed at. But um, we were, I, I think the only thing that would have happened was nil-nil or one-nil. I mean, yeah. I don't see a situation where, uh, Eze was pretty much negated throughout the first half. He was barely getting any opportunity to impact the game. Um, and I just don't, I mean, great, but Paulinho's one of quite a few Fulham players that are a threat. I don't understand why he was the one that the entire thing had to be changed for, unless, you know, that was just a fleeting comment from Roy, and, um, you know, there was more to it than that, but I, I haven't seen enough wrong with our recent performances to decide today, or yes, yesterday on the day of recording was the time to change that. It just seems... Mm odd uh, and it was fairly obvious to the entire of Sellers Park that we were going to bore our way to a draw at best <laughs> yeah um like you know I don't want to go too much further into this this show without giving a degree of support to Roy Hodgson in the sense that 
whilst I have major issues that we'll probably come back to again and again about the, the complete and utter failure to, to give minutes to people off the bench, even if he doesn't really rate them. Like, we'll, we'll come on to that, right? But he has kind of backed himself into a corner a little bit in terms of the players available to him and who he uses. But, you know, we got have got massively exposed by inaction. You know, I talked about it last week. We'll probably talk about it every week. Um, and, and it'll be luck if we, you know, if we get away up, up to the end of January without too much damage because there isn't enough in this team. Like, you know, the, the setback for Elise is um is a, is a real problem edward apparently tweaked a hamstring in this game as well that is a major major issue uh, roy's comments going into the the cup game in midweek um was we he said we don't have many players at the moment that's the problem in defense we've got options which is good but when you move forwards into midfield and up front and especially if uh, odson edwards ham, hamstring injury is a problem um, we don't have options that will give me a choice to give some players a rest and maybe see some other players. We'll do our best, etc., etc. Right? So, so first of all, we know what's coming <laughs> in, in midweek. Um, but but this is um, it's it's a carbon copy of what happened in his final season before rejoining Palace, which is picking the same team every week until it broke, and you know that. And I, but I'm supporting him. I'm saying I don't feel like he actually does have uh, an option, especially knowing him. You know, and our and our owners know the manager that they put in place. They know what's going to happen. They know what they need to do to give him options. And it's it's starting to feel like I'm starting to become one of the the Tim Hat conspiracy brigade brigade who thinks simply that you know, and I and I say that with with a little bit of a knowing nod, but like who thinks that this was the plan all along. You know, Royal Royal just play the same eleven every week. So let's not bother getting him any players. It's fine. We'll we'll stay in the Premier League. Let's not worry about it. And that's that's how it feels. But when he's saying stuff like he is, I'm going to say like at the end of the game, you talk about not having many players. He also did say he was happy in the transfer window, right? I didn't imagine that. So the two things don't really equate, do they, Roy? A bit of you know, you can call it a bit of bad luck, but. We don't have twelve players out injured. We have a handful, you know, and and we're we're down to bare bones. So, you know, whilst I have some sympathy, I feel like you know at the moment he's part of the problem in two senses. One sense he let, he let the club off a little bit too easily in the transfer window, but in the other sense, you know, look at this bench again. Mateta got came on on the seventieth minute. You know, crying out for a change long before that, but. Got on seventieth minute. We then throw Raksaki on in the ninety-first minute. What's the point? What's what's the point? All he did was come onto the the pitch, watch Fulham nearly score, and then walk off of it again. He must be absolutely just bored out of his mind. He played foot, constant football last year, improved immensely, was absolutely outstanding, and whether he's ready for the Premier League or not doesn't matter, does it? Um, but. You also had on the bench, you know, Holding is obviously a defender but not played at all. Klein, nowhere near the team at the moment, despite Ward being exposed time and time again on the right-hand side of the pitch. Malcolm Abue is back from, from injury. Not seen a thing, nothing of him, not even a minute. Um, you know, I, I almost feel like... And also in that game, you know, Gyro again on the bench. If you're naming these players on the bench, if they're, if they're good enough for the bench... You got to use them. You got to give them minutes because now we're in a position where he said he's basically said out there, "I don't trust anybody else to come in." So if you play, it's going to be in spite of Roy's belief, not because of it. He doesn't believe in you as a player if you're not in that team every week. You, you know, you're you're. I suppose that goes back to what Guaita said. I am I am cross this week. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, so I'm going to have to take a little moment well, and. Um, just, I, I, I'm yeah. going to say put forward the advantages of having this this particular um, problem. First of all, I do think that we <clears throat> have been achieving you know d- decent decent results so far this mm-hmm. season with a team that I think we we're all worried about before. You know, we were. I remember the WhatsApp chat. We've, we've all we were all worried that we we're going to be joining this season. So having a team that are, you know, really sure of each other, know each other inside out, 
I can see a lot of advantages to. Secondly, the fact that we've got a League Cup game coming up and it's not Roy doesn't have a hand to play 11 players that we have not been on the pitch together one bit. You know, he's going to have to do more of a Vieira-style thing of playing a similar team that's in the Premier League to the, to the League Cup. And I don't think United are going to do that. You know, the League Cup has got to be so low on their priorities right now. It's probably going to watch a 7-0 defeat or something, but... Um, that it, they're, they're not going to care about that too much, I don't think. So this could be the perfect opportunity to beat United. Um, and thirdly, um, when someone is injured, and it will happen, it does mean that Malcolm Abue and Raksaki are going to be the only options left. And that could be the kind of thing that got you know various players, including Mitchell, um, into the team in the first place. So it could end up not having two players for all the positions, having some advantages, maybe, possibly, yeah. perhaps. I'm really interested to hear you say that, Mike, in terms of you, you're, I, there was a couple of messages that came back to me and uh, Ryan, I forgot the surname, but Ryan messaged me saying that he doesn't think that Raksaki is, um, is ready yet, but said, you know, but, but others, maybe even Ryan himself, were talking about the fact that obviously Tyreek and Juan Bissaka before him and, all this kind of stuff, you know, people do get a chance at Palace, but I th- you, you're absolutely right. When you think about those who've been given a chance by Roy specifically, you know, it often has been out of necessity. It has been because there was no other option uh, available at the time. Um, you know, and I suppose it's worth saying, obviously it's up, to, still up to those players to take that chance. Uh, and he has shown that if they take that chance and they play, you know, play the right way and, follow the instructions correctly that he will keep them in the team which is definitely a positive and a and a huge point for him but he's not one to just throw a, an untested youngster in there for the sake of it and this you know this this is really this and the fringe players getting no minutes has made our situation which was already bad not not of his doing but it has made it worse um I did want to talk a little bit Cara you you mentioned it does feel like it's deliberate that we're we're doing this first half keep it level don't be too ambitious kind of thing but could could there be anything out of play here you know in terms of what's behind you know our slow starts because we are you know we are putting attacking moves together we are trying to do something but you know the 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 intensity doesn't seem to be there to to create enough chances yeah and i think that's i think that's exactly what's on purpose i think basically the priority that they're being sent out with um in the first half is just keep it tight. Don't take many risks. So if you get the opportunity to, you know, have a little go, go for it. Obviously don't turn it down. Um, but it's, it's not the priority. And then they come out in the second half. And I think the, the message is right now, let's kick on. And that is your priority. The reason I think it doesn't work is exactly what I said earlier, is that if you've played 45 minutes at one pace, the idea that you then go in and you play a different, a completely different um, kind of game in the second half for some players that is going to suit them, but for others it's just not because you've already got into the mentality of the game, which is the opposite of what you're now being asked to go and do. Um, I just think it is too choppy, choppy and changey, and I think our players don't like it, and I think that's why uh, that's what they keep getting sent out with, and that's why it keeps kind of not working. But also, like Mike's absolutely right in that we've we've have done very well and probably better than a lot of us expected um, than when we got to the end of the. The, the transfer window. Um, I would just also like to make one point uh, that Roy also knew what he was signing up for when he took the job because he moaned all four years that he was here before that he didn't have enough players. Uh, so he, there's no way that he thought it was going to be any different this time. Um, so I, I'm just quite sick of hearing him talking about it, to be honest, because he knew what he was getting in for. He knew that there were going to be injuries and just deal with it. And I think and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's also worth stressing the point that there there is more to be got out of the players that we have on the pitch um, than we're currently getting. Um, and if we tweaked that, then probably we would have walked away from this one with a 1-0 and probably not lost the Villa 1-3-1. Um, but yeah, no, the slow starts, I think, are completely on purpose, to be honest. I don't think there's anything else at play other than that's what they're being asked to do. Yeah, it certainly does feel like... Um, it, it, it feels more reminiscent of, you know, previous Roy than than back end of last season in, in that sense. You know, the kind of really measured approach and... I suppose, look, in, in, we, could, we can argue, I, I think I said it last week as well, you don't win any points by winning the first half. Um, but of course, it does make it a lot easier if you're, <laughs> if you're ahead in games um, in, in terms of seeing, seeing the, the, the draws turned into wins and the defeats turned into draws, which is ultimately what we want. So look, you know, six, six games gone, eight points on the, you know, on, on the board, but it could have been better, and, and but you're quite right, both of you, in the sense that we probably we probably thought it would be worse than this right now, given the the things that have happened over the course of the summer, given the upheaval of losing our our sort of talismanic uh, legend in, in Wilfred Zaha, given the injuries to Elise, the injury to Elise. Um, I don't think it, many people would have had Edward to be five goals in, or four sorry, four goals in, five goals in, if you include the cup. Um, already this season so there have been some really good bright sparks it was just a shame the brightest one in, in terms of Eberechieze um, was completely nullified by our own tactics in this game talking of Eze there was what I consider to be a contentious foul Cara always disagrees with me on penalties um, I, I feel like she's working for VAR and this is the problem uh, so Mike <laughs> What? I was so ready to jump in. <laughs> go on, let Mike go first. Uh, I'll have the final word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So another one this time. Harrison Reed does not play the ball, does not uh, get anywhere near it, commits what I consider to be a pretty clear foul that would be a foul anywhere else on the pitch. Um, it would have been what you would call a soft penalty, but I personally cannot see what else it is. It's not a coming together. It's not an accidental collision. It is one player knocking another player over because he can't get to the ball. Um, so Harrison Reed knocks him over. Referee gives nothing. VAR, Stuart Atwell checks the decision. No decision to make. Um, Ezo's not getting a lot of luck, is he? Let's face it. Look, what you can tell from what you know, watching it back, Ez is not a man to be dramatic. He's not like the um, the Fulham player that uh, touched Joachim Anderson and then went down like somebody just cracked him <laughs> over the head about three seconds later, uh, which was embar- embarrassing to say the least. Um, you could tell that he was like, well, that's a penalty. You know, it, it sort of lit- and then when it wasn't given, he's like, what? And then he just, you know, waited and assumed that it would be overturned. So um, I think that's pretty telling. Um, I, I, I think it, it probably, I, I don't think I'd have been surprised if it had been given, if, you know, if it was against Palace. So um, that's usually a sign. I think you, you, you're probably correct there, Christopher. Thank you, Michael. And I agree, actually, Hambo. Thank you what? very much. <laughs> just because Mike said it. <laughs> no, it's not just because Mike said it. It pains me to have to agree with the both of you at the same time. Um, but no, like it was so clear. He wasn't even looking at the ball. At no point did he even clock where the ball was, make any attempts to go for it. Like it was just unreal. And there was also the one on the edge of the box. Was that in the first half that should have been a free kick as well that wasn't given? Yeah. Um, there were a few like that. And it's just like that... That's when you kind of look at the the decision making process and say like there's no way somebody watching those back on uh on VAR are looking at them and just judging them by the situations that they are because if they are they have to give the free kick they have to give the penalty so um yet again mm. uh just comes down to like 
how the hell are we managing to get this system so wrong um, in this country when it seems to be working without so many faults elsewhere? Um, and what was it? I saw a stat, I think it was yesterday. Um, something like we've been given one penalty in the last ridiculous amount of time that I can't... 31 games, I think it was tweeted. I can't remember who tweeted it, but yeah. Unreal. I, I, I Unreal. Got, no, I don't yeah, know how that compares to other this. people, but it feels like we should have... Uh, we were in line to have quite a few more that we, we haven't been given. Yeah, it's... You know, I, I haven't really... I am, I'm a supporter of, of technology making the game better, but, you know, we're getting further and further away from that. And it just seems to be... The message is that you know you've got to have enough evidence to overturn the on-field decision but basically what it's become is become referees protecting other referees and Paul Turney did not deserve any protection again in the, in this game you know all the our team everybody had pretty much a bad bad day but he had the worst day of all because he was all over the place when you're booed off by home and away fans at half time you've you know you're having a bad game Right, and and he did nothing to correct it in the second half. He, it was an absolute colossal nightmare. You know, he he created problems. You know, he gave Paulina a very early yellow card, which I actually thought was quite harsh, but completely changed how he played. And I don't know if Roy factored that in when he was thinking about how great Schlupp was in man marking him. But you know, he had a yellow card after about four minutes, so he couldn't couldn't do his usual stuff. And then you had. Obviously, Ayu was uh, was kind of almost taken out of the game by having a yellow card because you know he's going to pick one up at around 60, 65 minutes for a late challenge, and he just so he, he couldn't do that. Um, so I think it, you know, bad refereeing, like setting a bad precedent, booking people for for negligible fouls, it just makes the rest of the game so hard because people get angry, and then you know you saw it every challenge. You know, somebody somebody would be saying, "Well, how can how can you not give a free kick there. How can you not give a yellow card there when you did it there? And that's the point. It was inconsistency to, to an extreme degree. So that really didn't help matters. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, look, it got me, it got me thinking actually during the game. So two Fulham players got booked in quite a six, six, quick succession off the back of um, Jordan. Ayu being, you know, a, a bit, a bit fruity early on, you know, doing some good things. Um, and one of them, Probably wasn't yellow. I mean, it, it almost definitely wasn't a yellow card. So at that point, he decides I'm going to book IU for what probably wasn't a yellow card. And then the same thing happens the other end of the pitch about a minute later, and nothing happens. And it got me thinking: Is actually Sellers Park an incredibly hard place for them to to manage because they're so having to go? The fans are so loud, so volatile at times. Are they kind of losing themselves due to the intensity at Sellers Park? And that's why it always seems more fucked up for us than it does for other teams. If that is the reason, then I think it highlights just how badly trained and what a low calibre like caliber of referee in we accept in this country because the the idea that like I'm, and I'm, I'm, I appreciate they're human and of course there are going to be things like that that come into play every now and then big games big occasions whatever but if you are a Premier League referee and you can't take some crowd noise then go home like that that's not good enough yeah, you've got to, re- you know, you're there to referee the game. You're not, you're not there to referee the crowd, and that's that's really the end of it. But yeah, obviously, we, you are, you know, you're quite right to point out human beings. I'm not entirely sure in all cases that they are, but but we'll we'll go with that. They certainly resemble humans. Um, but I, yeah, I, I feel like I do feel like with some of the personalities out there, you know, they do seem almost to be like, well, if you're gonna boo me as a referee, you're getting nothing. You know, you're absolutely getting nothing. Anything that I can give 50-50 to the other team, I'm going to do it. But, you know, and you do you do see that. You do see, you know, some referees dazzled by the big-name players at times. You, it happens. You cannot deny that it happens. So they are a, a massive inconsistency in the game. But as I say, Paul Tierney, I'm not complaining about it from a Palace perspective because he was terrible for Fulham as well. So, you know, just one of, one of them games. I'm going to give you some of my favourite uh, BBC stats we can reflect on uh, just to end our game review and then we'll get the views of some of the uh, some of the listeners. 
Fulham are now unbeaten in four consecutive Premier League games against Crystal Palace. Drawn three, lost one. It's the best run they've ever had against Palace. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, thanks. Palace have drawn nil-nil for the fourth time at home in the Premier League in 2023. Twice as many as any other side in the competition. Um, Do you remember who they're against? No. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Uh, um, No. Uh, Eze has been directly involved in 51% of Palace's shots. That's 42 out of 82. The highest share of any player for their side in the Premier League in 2023-24. Which is why it's so insane to have negated him so Jeffrey Schlupp can play number 10. That's that's all there is to it. Um, he was involved still in uh, six of Palace's seven attempts against Fulham. He created three chances, had three shots. Uh, Fulham are, this is good context, uh, winless in nine consecutive London derbies in the Premier League, failing to score in six of them. Why I didn't read, I should have known this before, because that, that is a surefire nil-nil, isn't it? I mean, nil-nil at half-time would have been a odds-on, surely. Anyway, um, there were 17 shots in this match. Only Manchester City's 5-1 win against Fulham has seen fewer attempts in a Premier League game this season. There you go. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so, a um, few comments now. So, on uh, Instagram, um, I mentioned it earlier, guys, if you haven't heard of it. We've, we've got an Instagram, B-O-T-N underscore C-P-F-C, I think. Um, Henry Bill- Billum says, no real intent from either side to throw caution to the wind to try and win. Too much reliance on ebbs to create things. A point was the bare minimum today. We sure didn't deserve anything more. Could have lost as well. Very disappointing and a worrying lack of attacking options off the bench. Uh, I think echoing a lot of what we've said today. Uh, Kaz Back said it was a fl- it was flat. Uh, no fluidity at all. Uh, Mateta tried his best, but Hodgson at fault for not bringing subs on earlier. A point is a point. It is that. Uh, Mr. Wandering Texan said missed opportunities, no real attack, looked lost in the second half at times. Uh, Stephen Goldring has gone for the salient, at least we didn't lose. And Mark Drew has gone for the even more salient, I am still asleep. Um, Belgium Tim uh, said he's, I think this is something we haven't talked about, so it'd be good to get your comments on this. He said, I'm amazed the impact Lerma has made since joining the club. His absence is notable. He seems to make a yes. big difference at progressing through the lines and links up naturally with Dekure. The link-up seems much less intuitive with Hughes, even though I love Hughes. You enjoyed that, Yes, Mike? 1,000%. 1,000%, yes. Lerma is the root of everything. I've already decided that. He is the most important player other than Ebbs that we have well, I'm not fit, is he? But um, yes, huge difference to Corre and Lerma made immediately um, watching Palace. And this is the problem with having a, a thin squad. One player gone and you've you've totally changed the dynamic of the side. I love Hughes, um, but that's not what he... He's not that really solid central defensive midfielder. He's never going to be. And... Uh, yeah, it seems to me that Jairo would be the obvious replacement, uh, albeit Roy has little to no faith in the man with the excellent hair, does he? So, Hold on, are you putting Lerma above Aliso there? Uh, I did say fit players, but then I remember oh, that he's got a hamstring right. as well. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty small number of fit players, <laughs> I, if, to be honest, it, isn't it? You know, I really think he probably is as crucial to the team as, as anyone. Like, it's just... Um, you know, with Decore being touted at seventy million and that kind of thing, for us to have got him on a free, let's give uh, let's give Dougie the uh, the standard few monthly dues that he deserves because uh, amazing signing. Indeed. Um, so look, we're moving on to some of the comments from uh, TikTok now. Uh, with all these guys, um, you know, their they're futuristic Pac-Man video games that they play. And are any of us on TikTok? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know well, I'm not. I mean, obviously, it's probably it's only just come out, isn't it? And I think you have to go through some kind of space age test to be on it. I, I do have a TikTok account. I'll be honest, but I haven't really posted anything. Have you got a Bebo because, account? Yes. I mean, yeah. Bebo obviously. was the best one. It really was. Bebo, I think 
it's just the ranking of friends that I miss from Bebo. It was so savage. Can you imagine people doing that now? Top five mm. friends. Mm. Starting to, yeah. yeah Who would you put in yours, Hamburg? You... Um, my mum. Um, Nick. Nick, Nick, uh, yeah, Nick. Sorry, you've got to get to do it in order. Top is Nick, obviously. Uh, then my mum, uh, then my partner, Jeffrey Schlupp. Then, uh, then Jeff Schlupp, yeah, uh, and then Nigel Farage, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> I agreed with the first four there. Um... <laughs> Hambo's mum comes to the top of Mike's list as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I've lost my train of thought. Um, I don't know why I said what I said, but it's there now, isn't it? I've done it. I've I've, I've said those things. Uh, TFF over on um, on TikTok. I'm just going to look if Nigel fan. Farage did actually have a Bebo account. What? Yeah, can you check? Yeah, that'd be good. Nigel Farage. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'll be with you. Um, Thank you. Uh, let, let us know in just a moment. Um, felt that Palace were poor overall and need to be better. Jack said it'd be interesting to see what happens when Elisa and Lerma are back and see how good France is as well. Obviously closing in on fitness. We'll see if he plays and um, way things are at the moment. Not much of a choice really, is there? Uh, Zach said shower of shit. Um, succinct to Zach, but can't argue. Um, Herbie Dag- Dagleish, which um, does sound like a Scottish breakfast item, uh, says lack of depth is showing and parish is to blame. Um, G went for. I think we were unlucky to come. So I think we were lucky to come away with a point. We never looked like scoring, and it's going to be a long season. Uh, London E. Ruth, mm, London E. Ruth. Anyway, says uh, when is it never a long season with Palace? Um, which is a fair point. Um, and yeah, that was that was it. I nearly read uh, same, the same comment twice there, but I stopped myself because I'm great. Um, we've gone on probably too long, but we do want to probably touch on your topic, Cara. So quick. Oh, God, I had to. All right, let's just do a really quick mention then of uh, it being Ezra's 100th game for Palace, which is mind-blowing, really. That's gone very quickly. Uh, Roy was actually only realised it was the case in the when he was asked about it in the pre-match Um uh, press conference. Um, so, yeah, really quick. I don't know if we just want to go around quickly and give thoughts, feelings on his impact so far and uh, maybe, well, I've put in my notes, like hopes and fears for him going forward. <laughs> but mostly on my biggest fear <laughs> is that he leaves in January and that's it. Uh, but I don't think he will. Um, but yeah, just in terms of him being kind of um, lined up, I guess, and doing a good job uh, so far of... Uh, carrying the mantle um from Wilf leaving um seems to have like a great impact on um just being around the team like really positive player because probably his impact we probably don't take uh we shouldn't take for granted because I think it's it's way bigger than just on the pitch um and to think especially that a lot of the time that he's been with us is accounted for that massive injury that he had at the beginning just the idea that he's already at his 100th game is a a huge, huge thing. So, um, Hambo, what are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's, yeah, that has gone quick. Um, I think, you know, when we, we signed him, we were linked with him for quite a long time and he was, you know, he was doing some incredible work at QPR. Like, you know, he was extremely well regarded by their fans, you know, and was, uh, was, was pretty consistent with the goals and assists. And, and, you know, it just seemed like there was a natural step up there. But I think when we signed him, I, I think it was really apparent just how good of a footballer he, he it was from for kind of minute one. Um, you know, from that the free kick against Leeds was probably the first meaningful uh, thing that he did for us, but it was just outstanding. And, you know, I had dreams at that point of him <laughs> scoring a goal like that every week. But, you know, moving to, to kind of getting 10 goals last season, the way he played when Roy came back in as well, just after struggling to get back from injury and then struggling to impress Vieira, which which seems insane now, doesn't it? But um, I think he's just shown himself to be a very mature player. Um, you know, I think 25, nearly sort of coming on 26, which again, feels feels like that's gone quick as well. Um, but he is, he's, he is the, you know, the new Zaha for us. He's well, Everything goes through him and, and teams are marking him out of the game. They're concentrating on him. Um and you know, asking us to come up with other solutions as well, and that's a big compliment that you know Zaha leaves, and and 
you know, Eze just took, took that mantle straight on, as you say. So, fantastic player. Obviously, genuine concerns that you know City were after him, but they probably aren't going to be the only ones either. So, if the reported contract negotiations go well, great, but that's going to be a hard one, especially if we play him on the left side um, <laughs> and eke out nil-nil draws against Fulham. I don't see why he would want to sign a new contract and hang around. So, fingers crossed, um, we can we can do something better and. On a number of fronts there. I mean, there's two years left in this contract, so I think that Parrish will do the the standard thing and try and get him and say, look, make it four, and then we can flog you for a time. Um, I'm stunned there's been 100 football games that have taken place involving Crystal Palace since he joined, but <laughs> maybe that's just getting old and time just passing incredibly quickly. Um, what I would say is... He seems a much harder team for uh, much harder player for teams to mark out of the game than Wilf used to be. Obviously, not on the left, but in the you know in the middle, um, his sort of gliding ability to go past players is something that you know Zahar had a very different skill set, and we're not in any way saying that Ezra's better than Zahar, um, but in terms of man marking him out of the game, I think it's a lot more difficult to do than it is to just pile two players onto Wilf um, because he just doesn't do the things that you expect a player to do. And I, I don't think he's going to suffer from that ebb and flow problem. Uh, so, uh, that wasn't meant to be a joke. Um, it wasn't meant to be a joke. I'm not that clever. Um, than, than, than Zahar. So I really don't think he's going to, um, he's going to suffer from that. And, uh, I'm, I'm very glad he's still got two years left because there's, you know, there's there's no conceivable way that an asset of his of his quality is going to go easily from Paris, and he's got another year to to persuade him to just sign that extra contract so that he is worth a metric ton when Man City come back for him. But yeah, I uh, I love him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, Can't believe he didn't uh, nice. didn't make your top five Bebo friends in that case. To be honest, but you know, yeah. we won't tell him. He would have been well, on that. So a uh, Alex Kalinko would have been the top, uh, and yeah. b uh, I've been I've I've gone down a rabbit hole while you've been talking of trying to find any old stuff that Nigel Farage was a member of. Mm. But Bebo's that is a have dark gone. dark place to go. Yeah, probably wait, probably is. Wait, but Bebo's, Bebo's gone. gone. You can't even you can't even you can't even go to Bebo. It's not. It's, 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 it's not it's like gone. a. It must be like web archive somewhere, right? You you probably could go onto the archive and then yeah. look it up, but um, that's your homework frankly, for next week, then, Mike. Not yeah. not for Nigel Farage. I'll do it for Alex Kalinko. <laughs> but, last um, last thing on Ezra before yeah. we uh, move on, uh, just to give quick mention to how much of a gift to the uh, Palace social media team he's been as well, because those uh, videos of the challenges between him and Elisa have been absolute gold and I think I've uh, I've kept us all going for for a while now so long may that continue to one more thing why has he become Ezer what why have the commentators stopped so like he he came out and said it's Ezer so why is it now Ezer like what why are the commentators all changed it again from Ezer to Ezer have they been saying Ezer yeah Yeah, they're overcompensating like they often do like, I think it's just you know, it's quite easy in a South London accent to say Ezra, isn't it? Because it just kind of fits yeah. in. Maybe in other like regional accents, yeah. right, uh, outside right. of South London, it's more difficult. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. they they probably read the phonetic subtitles that are on the most recent Palace thing, where it says Ezra. <laughs> They're like, oh, Everett Ezra. <laughs> I I really enjoyed the kind of uh, who was it? I I can't remember. There was about three or four of the players who did the most recent. This is how you pronounce my name videos who were just like completely dead eyed when they did it. And it just, <laughs> it really made me laugh. Like it's like they hated their own names. But anyway, um, my favorite one forever will me. be the Will Hughes one, to be honest, that no yeah. one will ever beat that one. Um, uh, anyway, should we move yeah. on to Jez? Yeah, I've ranted about it a lot. And, and, and I just think we should, start listing the different objects we could name on the bench that would have the same kind of impact as the majority of the players that get put there. Um, because look, I, it, my, my point being, if you're not going to play him, mean, like we made a decision uh, in the transfer window that, that all of the, the several different teams that came in for him, we were going to, we were going to keep him right. We, we didn't sign 
the players we wanted to sign, you know. So whether he's ready or not, whether we think he is ready for the Premier League or not, we collectively as a club, Roy Hudson as a manager, made the decision that we needed to keep him because the squad was too thin. If you're going to keep him, you're saying you're going to, you, he is an option for you in your, your match day squad. You're saying that he's an option. So to leave him on the bench when we are absolutely devoid of attacking ideas and we're playing the same players week in, week out is a criminal waste. He won't, he's unlikely, you know, look, if you look at him, He'd probably be excellent at championship level this season. He was outstanding at League One. He'd probably be a very good championship player right now. A lot of other teams thought so. Um, but in the Premier League, it's hard for him. It's really hard for him. I think he had a run out in the Cup, which was not the best of performances. But it's really tough for him to really sort of stake a, a claim for a regular spot. But you have to give him minutes. Don't bring him on in the 90th minute. You Just don't. Just don't do it. There's no point. There was no. I, Edward was injured, I guess, I suppose, is the reason that he got 30 seconds on the pitch against Fulham. But, you know, it's, it's actually offensive um, to, to watch the kids sit on the bench every week. It really is. So there you go. That's my thoughts. I like him a lot. I think he's a very talented young man. Very good. Uh, <laughs> mine are, uh, I'm usually slightly more nuanced because. I was thinking about it and we had a little chat, didn't we, with um, uh, Patrick in the WhatsApp during the game uh, about it. And actually don't, I actually wonder if the majority of frustration about him not getting minutes isn't coming from a place where we legitimately think that he is the best choice to be putting on the field right now, but it's because of how the tactics we're playing is showing such little kind of creative priority that we're just desperate, that, that leads to a kind of like, oh, just get Ratsaki on, you know, just like give us something sort of thing. But I actually agree with Roy, which hurts me a little bit um, in what he said when he was asked about it in the press conference, uh, whether or not he thought about bringing Ratsaki on earlier. And he said no. And he said, you know, whether or not he's, he's ready, he might be, but just not for that game. I made the point that like it, it wouldn't there wasn't a right moment really to have like taken the choice to choose to either take um, Ayu or Ezra off and, and put Ratsaki on, which I think is right. But it made me think more about, like, remember how Vieira bought Elise through? Like, he didn't just chuck him on. He bought him on mm. minute by minute, just slowly increased the amount of games that he played. Um, and, you know, he was he was a bit bit tentative, didn't have great performances every week, Elise, in the, that period of time. And then there was the Millwall game in the Cup where he just kind of came to life. And, and from that moment on, he was a different beast. And that, I think, is how I'd want to see Raksaki brought into the team. But I don't think there's space for him at the moment to slot in that way and so that makes me come back to the point that he should have gone out on loan to the championship just keep riding the waves that he was last season in league one um and then come back after a season in the championship depending on how he's done or even having bought bought, uh send him out and then bring him back in january if he's doing really well you know and if we need him but it just feels like they've kept him there for the sake of it potentially worried about lack of depth in the squad um and, and hoping, yeah, to, to shove him on when Edward pulls his hamstring or whatever. But there doesn't seem to be, my biggest worry is there doesn't seem to be like a real plan with how they're going to bring that talent on. Um, and and the risk is that then ends at the end of the season of him going like, sod this, I'm not spending another season sat on the bench, like I'm going elsewhere. And they then develop him in the way that he he should be. And, and we lose that opportunity. But I hope he does get an opportunity maybe in the, the game in the week. Um we'll see uh and then it does come down to him he's gonna have to start making an impact when he does get those chances to kind of make the case to be brought on on further but i don't know who he gets ahead of in in the team that we've got at the moment so like he i mean it's like asking him to to you know to take his chance when he's just got no minutes in his legs is the problem and that's the problem for a lot of these players right but i mean i i do get what you're saying but i but i don't agree in the sense that you can say that's the wrong game, but like you can make an excuse every single time. And what I do 100% wholeheartedly agree with you on is that there isn't a plan for, for Jez Rakzaki because the plan was probably to loan him out. There is not a plan for him as a first-team player, and that's what's wrong. If, you're, if you keep him as a first-team player, you have to have a plan for him. You have to use him. You have to do something to help him develop. Um, you, we're sending him backwards right now. And I, I look at the game against 
Fulham, and, and I can't honestly, I cannot. You, you can't tell me like that. Him on for are you and on seventy minutes when we brought Mateta on would have been a bad choice. You know, with the benefit of hindsight, it wasn't about wouldn't have been a bad choice. I suppose you could argue it might cost us the game. You know, he might have not defended properly, but I would show that's just the criminal lack of ambition that we have as a football club sometimes, in the sense that we're more concerned with stopping the opposition and not not conceding a goal than we are making the most of the talent that we have and trying to win a football match. And, you know, I suppose I am at odds with the safety first approach and I always will be, um, you know. But there you go. That's that's the kind of critical part there. But I do agree we, we have let him down because we haven't got a plan for him. Um, and that's what I'd like to see different. I'll very quickly, just on Nathan Ferguson, training with the academy boys, apparently. Um, Royce said a few things um, in terms of when he might be available, but the, the general consensus was that he's actually really, really close to being able to play in games. But, you know, give it a couple of weeks was the kind of general uh, message there. And we better stop because we've gone on a lot longer than we intended to. Um, and that's mainly because I've been all over the place with my, my fury. Um, so I have to apologise. Um, maybe we can edit how most have, of me How out. have we and you got an hour out of this fucking game? Like, I don't know. How it's is always, that even possible? It's always a way, isn't it? I, I should never do these things when I'm pissed off. I should never do it. Because <laughs> not only do I say things I don't actually agree with quite a lot, but I, I then I then ramble on. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll think about what I've done and do better next time. So thanks for listening to the show. Uh, thank you for everybody who got in touch with your comments uh, on that newfangled social media stuff. Loved it. Um, I'll give it another go next week. Eh? Um, we didn't read everything out that we got. Um, I got plenty of um, uh, interaction on Twitter that I intended to use and didn't get around to using. So sorry about that. Um, but, you know, everything that you said really helped to put the show together. So do keep it coming, especially when we remember to ask for it. Um, preview team will be back in the week. Um, be looking at the, the obviously midweek game against Man United uh, in the cup, which is sure to go really well. And, uh, and then looking ahead to uh, a game against Man United um, in the league. So um, that'll be fun, won't it? Also, check out everything we're doing on YouTube. It's another one of those things, guys, the YouTube. It's, all, it's, like, it's like a podcast with video. Anyway, uh, DR's over there doing that um, with, with you know, Patrick and other people. So, uh, yeah, check out Back of the Nest on there. Like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. And until we're back again, thank you very much. Come on, you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.